Hi, this is Uncle Milkshake from the sequel cast, and I wanted to let you know this episode on uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, we had some technical difficulties recording, but uh, like the uh, previous few Indiana Jones episodes, it is hosted by myself, Thrasher, Jersey Jason, and as a special guest, we have Mitch Halleck from the IndieCast, an Indiana Jones podcast, and the Raider.net. Uh, stay tuned after our discussion of the film for a brief look at the uh, classic PC computer game, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, the graphic adventure. Enjoy. There was a podcast called The Sequel Cast that talked about movies. Movies. And they also talked about something else called boobies. Boobies. It's the sequel cast. Oh yeah, the sequel cast. It's the sequel cast. www.sequelcast.com Hello and welcome to the sequel cast. The sequel cast is a podcast about movies and franchises. Uh, one movie at a time. And uh, I'm your host, Uncle Milkshake. We're in the middle of looking at the Indiana Jones films, and this episode in particular, we're looking at Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, starring Harrison Ford and Sean Connery. Yeah, let's get started. So, uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Um, The first time I saw this film, uh, actually, I remember my parents went out to see it. They did not take me or my sister with them, even though we were in, like, I think third or fourth grade at the time. But they went by themselves, and they came back saying how much they loved the movie. So we didn't get to see it until it came out on uh, videotape. And um, this is uh, this is a movie I really enjoy. My dad, in particular, really enjoys this movie, especially the beginning with all the Boy Scout stuff, because he was in the Boy Scouts, he was an Eagle Scout, his father was an Eagle Scout. Uh, I was in the Boy Scouts, I only made it to, I think, Life Scout, whatever the one below Eagle Scout is. But, Padawan. Yeah, Padawan Scout, sure. So that's my first experience was on video, and it was uh, I had a really good time watching it the first time, although I was pretty young at the time. Uh, Thrasher. Uh, I my, my shocking confession is that I have never seen all of this film in one go. I've seen the whole thing, but never in one whole sitting. I am always catching the beginning, middle, or end on cable, and circumstances always prevent me from actually sitting through the whole thing. Which is a shame, because this is a real high point for the indie series. Mitch, when was the first time you saw this? In the theater, I presume? Yes, sir. On uh, May 24th, 1989, I went to the uh, first day, first show with my soon-to-be wife years later. And she liked it so much, she said those immortal words, want to stay and see it again. (laughs) So we sat through, we (laughs) we watched it back-to-back, and I said, ooh, this woman will be the mother of my children someday. Excellent. you know that one of those those tests that life throws at you, but no, I love that one, uh, still do. And uh, speaking of dads, this was my dad and I last picture we saw together before he passed away, and he loved it as well. Mm. So, a lot of dads like this movie. Very cool. I'm gonna try to add Jason Hello? through his cell phone. Jason, can you hear us? Yes, I can. Okay, great. So we're just uh, live via satellite. Right, so uh, Jason, Jersey Jason, he hasn't been on the show for a while, but here he is, live with us on the sequel cast. Uh, when is the first time you saw Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade? Oh, wow. I think I must have seen it on USA. I think the first time I saw it would have been TV. 
and uh, anything I mean, you're... It, it, seems so, it seems so unlikely, though. I mean, at the time, I really... I didn't see any of the indie films in the theaters. Yeah, no, the only one I saw in theaters was uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. There's so many things about this movie. I think certainly compared to Temple of Doom, this is a movie where they tried to make it more like the first with a lot more of the returning cast members and characters like Marcus Brody and Sala. And you have them going against the uh, the Nazis again. Yet, when you look at this film, I mean, the amount of stuff that spun off this movie is crazy when you see that, that whole prequel sequence with the young Indiana Jones that was the inspiration for the young Indiana Jones uh, TV series. Oh, I know. Portrayed by, of course, River Phoenix, who was, oh, God, what? Again, another person that we lost who was a great actor. Sure. Yeah, I first saw him in Explorers, and it's it's a, such a shame that, that, that he, he passed away when he did. I mean, one of the last parts River Phoenix... I was going to say, one of the last part River Phoenix was uh, set up to do was the uh, part of the interviewer in Interview with the Vampire, the part that uh, you know later had to go to Christian Slater. But he, yep. was, he was all set up to do that movie um, before you know he passed away. And I wondered if he would have done the Young Indiana Jones TV show. He was actually offered the role uh, for the Young Indiana TV series, but he passed on it. Hmm. And it went to Sean Patrick it's Flannery. It's kind of hard, because the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles, if they had had, if they had, had River Phoenix, they could have followed him throughout. But with, yeah. without him, they were able to do things before and after. They were kind of able to jump around his age. So, in this, uh, in the opening sequence in Indiana Jones, The Last Crusade, this uh, Boy Scout prequel section. It's uh, it's a different beginning compared to some of the other Indiana Jones movies. It has a lot of adventures. It explains how he gets the scar on his chin. Did anyone else find it a bit strange how, you know, the man he's uh, chasing after to get the artifact from looks just like Indiana Jones when he's older? Did that strike anyone else as kind of cheesy? or? No, I, well, think it was, I thought it was brilliant. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say that was gonna say that becomes his role model because basically to um, the character of young Indy, his father's dead to him because he's obsessed with finding the Grail, and since the mother's passed on, there's really no one for him to identify with or talk to. So on this one fortress day that he bumps into everybody and he gets his hat, his whip, his scar, his fear of snakes, it's imprinted on him that this person in front of him, Fedora, as the character's called in the movies is his role model. This is the person who he admires and he wants to emulate and grow up to be just like, and sure enough, that's what he does. So, yeah, it made perfect sense at the time. You know, it's really interesting. I I think a lot of this movie lives on how amazing the casting was of Sean Connery as Harrison Ford, as Indiana Jones' father. Oh, yeah. I don't think it might have worked if they had cast someone else, or maybe they could have and it would have worked. It's one of those things where you never know. Who? Who? Oh, I don't know. I don't think anyone else was even thought of aside from Sean. No, 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 nobody was actually thought of for the role. What happened was uh, basically Spielberg felt that he owed the audience an apology for Temple of Doom because it had gotten so dark and so off track. And George Lucas agreed as well that you know they they, they tried to go a new direction with Temple of Doom, but it dis even though it was successful, it wasn't the same vibe as Raiders was. So that's why Last Crusade was meant to be. Um, uh, what do you, a return to that Raiders-like thrill and the humor to it and not so dark. And you're absolutely right. When they said, let's get 
uh, a new aspect because they didn't want to. They wanted to avoid um, series burnout. You know, after you do a couple sequels, that gets a repetitive uh, formula, and the audience knows it. So they wanted to try something new, and by expanding on it and showing the adventures of Young Indy, that was one route. And then by additional uh, characters and including his father. So you learn the backstory of Indiana Jones. Basically, after this movie's over, there's no secrets left to Indiana Jones. You know everything about him. You know who he's from. You even find out his name. So, yeah, when they said, let's get somebody to play his dad, Sean Connery was the only person they went to. And, and rightly so. Who else could possibly be the father of Indiana Jones but James Bond? And I really like in the opening sequence how you have a brief bit between the younger Indiana Jones and his father, and they still use Sean Connery's voice, but they never show the face. No, the actually, actor. the... Yeah, the actor whose hand that you see is uh, Alex Hyde White. Uh, his uh, father was an actor as well who used to be on the show, I, I don't think you guys remember it, called Buck Rogers. He was like uh, Alfred Hyde White. And oh, what actor is that? You know who I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so Alex Hyde White's the son, and he's the hands that you see there as uh, young Henry Jones Sr., and... Uh, he went on to fame and fortune as being Reed Richards in the horrible Roger Corman Fantastic Four movie that no one ever saw. So that's his claim to fame. Yeah. Which is the same. I, I think he was perfect for the role of Mr. Fantastic. That was just a yeah. terrible a terrible movie that exists only for legal reasons, but that's a topic <laughs> for another podcast. Yeah, um, we can go we can go everywhere on that one. <laughs> now, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade wasn't the only thing they considered to do as a third movie. Uh, on your site, theraider.net, you have a, an early draft of a script called Indiana Jones and the Monkey King, written by Chris right. Columbus, who's better known as the writer of Gremlins. He also directed movies such as Rent and uh, Harry Potter 1 and 2. Um, do you have any thoughts about that script? I just got to look a little bit at the beginning of it. Yeah, originally what happened is right after they were done with the Temple of Doom in 84, George Lucas created an eight-page treatment for the next Indiana Jones film. And then he, he fleshed out to like 11 pages, and they brought a couple writers in. But Chris Columbus came on board, and he added a lot of humor to it. Because if you remember back to the Chris Columbus movies like The Goonies, it's adventuresome and such, but there's a lot of fun to it. Gremlins is another one, too. There's a lot of humor involved. So I think that's what Spielberg and Lucas ultimately ended up rejecting the story, because it was uh, quite involved. It had Indiana Jones going to Africa... Uh, there was the uh, Nazis were in it once again, and it, it was quite bizarre, actually. I mean, it has the story of the Monkey King and his guerrilla army, and the Monkey King gets killed, and uh, Indy's there to save the day, and then Indy gets married at the end of it, and then there's a tree of knowledge that has these immortal peaches on it. Have you guys ever heard this legend? Yes. Okay. There you go. That's that's the MacGuffin of the film, that ultimately the Nazis want to get this tree of knowledge or immortality, and Indy's in there. And I, you know, I think they ultimately passed because Lucas said it was too unrealistic, it was too far-fetched. That would you know? be the last time Lucas would ever say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it ended with Indiana Jones getting married, uh, but there was no father character involved. And it went through some serious consideration, but ultimately the uh, Monkey King story gets scrapped. And then they said, let's go after another you know, why not? Why not take that awesome story, and, and I'd take that and do one of the games, like they've done a whole bunch of the, what was the uh, Search for Lost Atlantis? Yeah, do that, dude. That's probably an awesome game idea. 
Well, we can go on about that, too, because there's another problem with Indiana Jones is that it doesn't sell well as far as merchandise goes in video games, and that's another topic. But, uh, yeah, no, the Monkey Kings, from what I've read of it, you could actually find bits of the screenplay online. They talk about it in the complete history of Indiana Jones. It, it's it's a good adventure story. It's it's something different. It's not the Temple of Doom, and it's not Raiders of the Lost Ark, but it's a good Indiana Jones-like adventure. And then there was talk of making a haunted house type of story for the next film. But Spielberg rejected that because he had just done Poltergeist and he did not want to do another haunted house type of story. So that was thrown out there. And then ultimately they said, let's do the Holy Grail. And again, Spielberg didn't want to do the Holy Grail because all he thought of and most audiences did was Monty Python and the Holy Grail. So they, they ultimately changed the MacGuffin storyline a bit so that the Nazis were looking for it as a source of immortality. And uh, that's, that's how we get the Holy Grail. And then it becomes this whole metaphysical thing where it's really not the search for the actual cup of Christ, but more of a search, you know, internal illumination, if you will, to say from the movie, you look at oneself and your relationships and on and on and on. So it becomes a whole other type of adventure treasure hunt in this yeah, I, I, I gotta say I think I think going with with the Holy Grail was was the right choice and one, one of the reasons that that Raiders of the Lost Ark works so well is that it takes it takes from judeo-christian mythology so if you so I think I think it's only right that you go with another another piece of Christian mythology for for mm-hmm. another indie film but at the same time, it also goes with a really good part of history, which is the Templar Knights, and it is one of those great mysteries. I mean, look at um, look at uh, not Angels and Demons, the one before uh, Da Vinci Code. Uh, not, the one? The Da Vinci Code. Yes, Da Vinci Code. And there have been a whole bunch of other movies and things that have touched on the Knights Templar. Well, if you need a medieval secret society, you might as well go with one of the biggest and best medieval secret societies. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Oh, National Treasure. That's another one. That's also another one we have to cover. <laughs> uh, one thing about Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade I like so much is it has a lot more character moments like you would find in Raiders of the Lost Ark compared to what mm-hmm. you had in A Temple of Doom. And um, it's the whole relationship in particular between... Uh, Harrison Ford and Sean Connery as Indiana Jones and uh, Henry Jones Sr. Right. There's, I, I just one of my favorite scenes in the film is they're on the Zeppelin riding away, and they get into a little bit of a fight, and uh, Henry Jones Sr. says to him, you know, I, I never told you to clean your room, I never told you to do all these things because I respect your privacy, and Indiana Jones is mad at him saying, oh, I... Uh, I was less important to you than people have been dead for 500 years. Exactly. He says uh, that. that that's, that's harmful. And that's then they, abuse. And then they make the point on the Zeppelin, well, we have time, let's have a conversation. And <laughs> yeah. the son cannot think of anything to talk about with the father when given yeah. the opportunity after wanting to yeah. do so for so many years. I think it's very touching. and uh, it, it seems very real as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember my wife always chuckling at that when he goes, you know, let's talk now. And he just stares at him. You know, Sean Connery's eyes open wide and he's just waiting for something. And then he goes, well, I've got nothing to say. He goes, what are you talking? What are you complaining about? And they just move along. And that is a very funny Well, also, it's like Sean Connery is also, I should say, Henry Jones. He is always... Um, I'm impressed by the things that Indiana Jones does, like uh, defeating the, the motorcyclist. 
uh, yeah. shooting the Nazi officers and everything. It's like he's not impressed at all by the no, antics no. of Indy. He's more annoyed, to use his words in the film, it's intolerable. He just gets so ticked off every time they do something, you know, because Indy's headstrong and running down the, the hallways firing machine guns instead of sitting back and, you know, thinking about things, you know. But again, that comedy does help the story, does help the movie become a lot oh, yeah. lighter, because it's like it's the aggravation of the father who is, is technically you really should be reacting like the audience is reacting, like, wow, that's amazing. Yeah. It's yeah. funny. Well, it is funny. They did change the character because Lucas originally invent, uh, or, or envisioned a rather uh, diminutive, elderly, bookwormy type, almost a Yoda character. And when Sean Connery got the script, there's no way in hell he was playing that. He was like, oh, no, no, no. I want to be Sir Richard Burton, the famed I'm, English explorer. You know, I'm not somebody. going to play a puppet, damn it. <laughs> You're not sticking your head up my ass. <laughs> Freaking Lucas. I'll be no man's Huckleberry. Do or do not. Please <laughs> don't. That's not the Chicago let's all, way. Let's all do our charm coverage right now. Everyone. <laughs> oh, God. No. Uh, We've we'll done that on the IndyCast. So, you know, we if had you... a whole sound off contest on the IndyCast. You can go listen to it. You know, if you want uh, <laughs> yeah, interesting... Uh, bit... who, who's got the best? If you who's want... the best? Me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Thrash, Thrasher's the best Sean Connery on this one. Thank you, sir. I'm called Paul that. If you want an interesting bit of trivia regarding uh, Harrison Ford and Sean Connery, you know, uh, yeah. Indiana Jones, The Last Crusade came out in 89. The very next year, Hunt for the Red October came out, which starred Sean Connery. And um, originally, for that movie, they were trying to get Harrison Ford as the part of Jack Ryan. But he, mm-hmm. he did not want wow. to do Hunt. Yeah, but he did not want to do Hunt for the Red October because he said the better part is that of the... Uh, Russian submarine captain played by Sean Connery. If, I'll do I'll do the movie if you give me that part. And they said no, so it went to Alec Baldwin. And then later on, Harris, Harrison Ford played uh, Jack Ryan in a Patriot Games in Clear and Present Danger. And a really bad Russian submarine captain in K nineteen as well. Well, yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so yeah, Alec Baldwin is like uh, Harrison Ford's sloppy seconds. Whatever that guy turns <laughs> down, Harrison Ford picks up. I think he was even married to Kim Basinger for a while, too. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, no. And then you, you have to remember, too, uh, the character of Henry Jones Sr., played by Sean Connery, not Thrasher, was originally not to appear in the script to, like, page 70 or 80, if I remember. And that was another thing that set Sean Connery off. He's like, what are you, crazy? Get me in the damn movie earlier. So they had to rewrite it. And they moved him up to, like, page 50, you know, or they were talking about him before he appeared on screen. So his uh, his entrance was a little bit more dramatic than just stumbling across him on page 80 when the movie's half over. But even though still having him show up in page 50, that's, like, almost halfway through the movie. That's still yeah. a good bit of restraint when you have his big Sean Connery face on the poster. Oh, yeah. Uncle I mean, well, I, well, that's another story. Jason, what was that? Uncle Uncle Mukshay, did you did you time it? Did you see actually like what how many minutes passed before you see um, Sean Connery? It's about fifty something minutes, as I recall. I can't give you the exact uh, minutes. Well, but... technically, you heard his voice in the first ten well, minutes. Yes, <laughs> you hear his voice. In you the know, first I 10 can minutes. actually I can recall this. I can recall this right now. The first time that I ever even heard of Last Crusade, I was seeing a commercial which had Sean Connery chasing the birds with the umbrella. Oh, I love it was that a scene. commercial for it to be on USA. 
first time I saw the trailer for this was for the Stephen King movie Pet Cemetery. Ah. And the movie stunk, and I remember just going in to see the trailer for Last Crusade because <laughs> there was no internet back then. So I said, okay, now I can go. And I ran out of the theater. And you got to remember, a few weeks after this, we would begin to see the beginning of, begin to see the beginning, of the superhero craze because Batman came out in June of 1989. So, I mean, Indiana Jones had a battle Batman just like he did a couple years ago when they did the Dark Knight versus the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. So, a little shift going on in Hollywood at the time. Well, look at at the first Indiana Jones movie went against UHF. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Weird Al Yankovic, man. Nobody can beat that guy in a box office battle. (laughs) I know, that's oof. Well, he's so good, he only had to make one movie. It was so good, they didn't need any more. But uh, no, I mean, you got to look at it like this, too. Last Crusade at the time was the biggest or the the largest film-grossing movie in history. Back then, it made $50 million in a single week. Now they do that in about a half an hour. But uh, at the time, that was big business, you know? Well, and having Indiana Jones and Last Crusade and... uh that first uh, Batman movie with Michael Keaton the same summer, that was a huge yeah. summer. And that summer, oh, yeah. uh, they released a Star Trek movie that summer when usually Star Trek is released around Thanksgiving time. They released Star Trek V, The Final Frontier, directed by William Shatner. And yeah. uh, among other reasons, that's the reason why that one did not make as much money. And there's also the quality of that oh. movie. And ironically, Sean Connery was asked to play the character of Cybok in yes. that film. Yeah. But he turned it down because he's not stupid. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. but boy, we digress, man. We're on UHF and Star Trek. How the hell did we get there? Sure, back to Indiana Jones. <laughs> yeah, no, it was, it, a big, it was a big summer for movies. Back to uh, the show because we're on tighter time this episode due to well, technical can we, difficulties. Can we talk about that bird scene? Uh, sure. You want to jump to that? Okay. Yeah, okay, go ahead. I, I, love, I love that scene because I think it's just... It gives Sean Connery a chance to be badass, and you can see where Indy gets gets like his quick, a lot of his quick thinking from. You know, they're, be, they're being chased by this by this plane, and they're by the seaside. And so Sean Connery gets out his umbrella and spooks all the birds on the beach. They fly up, and and the plane flies through the flock of birds, and it just screws up the plane and rips through the whips through the the, the windshield you know uh, messes up the engine breaks the propellers and the plane crashes and, and I just I love how clever that is that just that just one man with a quick wit and an umbrella can take down a flying machine of war but at the same time I feel so bad pressure that's that's not funny because one of my brothers was one of those birds <laughs> yeah and let's just say, if it was Captain Scully or Sully flying that airplane, <laughs> nothing would have happened. He would have landed it, <laughs> got out, and slapped the hell out of Harrison Ford and Sean Connery. Uh, so, wait, now, are we saying Sully Sullenberger's an Opsy? Wait, wait, I don't make that. Wait a minute now. Uh, hey, <laughs> come on now. I said if he was flying that plane now. If. 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 So yeah, but you got a great point there. That whole scene where brains over brawn. Uh, comes to fruition there when he takes that little uh, umbrella and chases those birds out of there. And he teaches Indiana Jones a lesson because you get that whole music cue and he looks at his dad and suddenly has admiration for him that he's not a just mean old bastard that he always thought he was. He was actually, you know, fun to be around if you want to take it that far. Yeah, watching this so film, bad. watching this film, it reminds me how much I miss seeing Sean Connery in movies. Yeah. He's, he's been retired for... Um, I think maybe a little bit more than a decade now. I'm not 2003, sure. 2003, yes. 2003, and some so. League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, yeah. 
and lately he's been oh doing God, voice. That was the last? Yeah. Well, yes, it was. He did a, a. He's doing a voiceover for some. Uh, I think it's a Scottish cartoon called Sir Billy, yeah. where it's an old man on a skateboard that uh, looks ridiculous. But he he just enjoys retirement too much, and you know he's getting up there in age, and good for him. He wants to golf all he wants, but it, I don't know. He just was. He's such a fun presence. <laughs> Maybe not pay his taxes, too. I have no idea. But uh, back to this movie, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. You know, there's always the women in the indie films. And in this one, it's uh, Dr. Elsa Schneider, played by Alice and Duty. And unlike any of the Indiana Jones films, this is almost more like a staple in a James Bond movie, where you have a, a female, a femme fatale, that appears to be good and falls in love with the hero and then turns out to be a bad a bad woman, not bad guy. Uh, she, she, she is no Karen Allen. She is no Karen Allen. Well, no, it's no. funny you should mention James Bond because she got her start as a James Bond girl playing Jenny Flecht in the movie A View to a Kill. So there you go. Oh. Mm-hmm. And then the wait, bad wait, guy... Wait, wait. You know, not the one with uh, Christopher Walken. That is the one with Christopher yes, Walken. Yes, that is the one. Yeah, she's the girl in that movie. She drowns... Uh, when he floods the mine shaft and Grace Jones starts crying when her dead body floats by, she goes, Jenny. And that, yeah, that's Allison Duty. Oh. Yes. And then the bad guy, don't forget, another Bond villain from, come on, if you know you're James Bond, oh. where was Walter Donovan, a.k.a. Julian Glover, in a James Bond movie? Yeah. Which uh, one? He was... Roger Moore. Oh, there's somebody Roger Bob Moore. Waker. No. Octopussy. You to a kill. Ah. It's not for your eyes only. Oh, was it? No, shit. I'm sorry. Oh, geez. Sorry. We can swear here. You Don't Kill was Alice and Duty for your eyes only. You're right. That's the one I meant to say. I'm sorry about that. Yes, you were right. Yeah. And he also had a small part in uh, Star Wars Episode Five: The Empire Strikes Back as General Maximilian Beers. That's right. General Beers. And they all work with Harrison Ford. And Michael Byrne, who plays the Nazi Vogel, was also the bad guy Nazi in Harrison Ford's movie, Force 10 from Navarone. Wow. What are we going to do? Wow, it's like old home week. They all yeah, showed up. It's all connected. <laughs> all connected, yeah, guys. It's very scary how it's all connected sometimes. And don't forget, John Reese davies back as Sala. Sure. Jen Holm Elliott back as Marcus Brody. Oh, I love Brody. I love Brody. Oh, they, give Brody, they give Brody a much more active part in Last Crusade than he ever had in Raiders of the Lost Ark, and he brings a lot of right. humor, too, much like Sean Connery does. It's and, so uh, great when they like that and say, oh, he's like the most expert guy, he knows all these languages, he's got connections everywhere, and then the <laughs> next thing is they're lost in Indonesia. Where the, the classic line is, <laughs> when they offer him water, he's like, no thanks, fish make love in it. You're like, what? <laughs> What was that? And that's just a throwaway line of dialogue that you might miss upon watching this movie the first time. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Den O'Malley was great. You know, a lot of indie fans don't like the portrayal of Marcus Brody in Last Crusade, even though he's the comic relief, because they said in Raiders he looked like he was competent, and even suggested that five or ten years earlier he would have gone after the Ark if it had come to him. And then you see him in Last Crusade and go, is this guy delusional? What you, he, he can't. He gets lost in his own library. How could he possibly have ever thought that he had the wits about him to go after the Ark of the Covenant? So it, it is a little turnabout for that character, but it works. I mean, I don't have a problem. I think he's great. No, I, th- I think it's a lot of fun, and it contributes to the to the lighter tone of this uh, this film overall. We talked briefly about um, 
Allison Duty. Let's talk a little bit about Julian Glover as Walter Donovan. When I was younger, I got very confused watching this movie because I thought uh, Donovan and Marcus Brody were the same person. I thought they looked similar because they were older and wore business suits and had gray hair. Um, wow. I wasn't the brightest child. Uh, <laughs> I don't think I ever made that mistake. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 think, uh, I think Julian Glover as Donovan is okay. It's not as memorable as uh, some of the villains we had in the past Indiana Jones pictures. He's no Belloc. No, he's no Belloc. He's no you know what I also like about this one, though? Yeah. He's also he's being, like, I guess, scouted, and you always see that you see men in black trench coats over trying to spy on him. And it's like, okay, he's kind of important at this, uh, 1938, he's kind of important for his yeah. connections as an LSS. Um, and it, it's really interesting to see that, and I'm also wondering, is Brody OSS? No, 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 no. <laughs> he's just no, antiquities, no. correct? He's just a, a museum guy. No, Brody's more ASS in this film. He's not OSS. Oh, <laughs> yeah. oh, ow. He's, no. Again, I like the actor. I've, I've, well, I'm trying to remember all the movies that I've seen him in. Because he pops up in a bunch of movies. Oh, yeah. yeah Usually he's, it was just Irishman. Trading uh, places with uh, Eddie Murphy and Dan Aykroyd was his other big American comedy hit. He was well, the yeah. butler in that one. Thank you. Yes, he's a butler. Awesome. He plays the drunk Irish priest in that as well. Uh, but back to back to Last Crusade. Uh, yeah, but Walter Donovan. You got to admit it's tricky because when he gets the assignment from Donovan to go find the Grail and his dad, I mean it did come out of left field. You weren't as an audience member seeing it for the first time, and no spoilers back then because there's no internet. You really didn't see that coming until the re- big reveal that he was working for the Nazis. You're like, whoa, what's going on here? Indiana Jones was faked, and we have the great line in there, too, which was improv on the set by Sir Sean Connery when uh, Indy asks his dad, how does he know that Elsa's a Nazi? And Sean Connery says, well, she talks in her sleep, implying that he had her before Indy did. And that yeah. cracked the whole crew up on, on set and Spielberg as well, so they left it in the movie. And that's a bit of a improv by Mr. Connery there. So the guy's pretty witty, you know? One uh, character in the movie I don't think is developed as well as maybe it could have been, and maybe there's stuff missing from the script, I don't know, is uh, Kavork Malikian as Kazim? Kaz- yeah. Or Kazim, I don't know how to pronounce it. He seemed to be set he- up as like someone else to chase Indiana Jones because he's part of the... Uh, nice the Brotherhood, Brotherhood of the... Cru- the yeah, the Cruciform Sword. Sword, that's it. Yep. Yeah, he his character was actually had more to do in the original script, but like I said, when they started moving things around and uh, pushed Sean Connery's character further up in the story, his character got reduced to more of a minor role. A little bit of trivia, if we're going to go down that route, he was up for the role of Sala in Raiders of the Lost Ark. and oh. did not get it because got stuck in a traffic jam on the way to the audition and came over an hour late and did not get the part. Oh, wow. Huh. So that's one of the things that the guy kicks himself about every day when he sees John Reese davies or a traffic jam. <laughs> you know, that could have been me. I could have yeah. been someone. You know what's weird? I, I kind of make that same... Uh, there's a whole other connection. A lot of people also make comparison uh, for Brendan Fraser's character from uh, uh, The Mummy Returns, or The yeah. Mummy, and then The Mummy Returns and The Mummy, Scorpion King, whatever. Uh, and also, if you look at it, there's the brotherhood in that that's protecting the world from the mummy, and there's this brotherhood that's trying to keep the secret of the grail and again lots of people make that lots of people well, at least i make that connection um 
between the mummy and the Indiana Jones sagas. Well, I think that that just ties in more to the pulps because the pulps were full of cults and secret societies yeah. and, and secret orders that were either you know serving serving strange powers or trying to keep strange powers hidden. And again, another thing you have in the uh, Book of uh, National Treasure, because again, there's the Illuminati, and the Templars still exist. Um, one thing, watching this again, uh, towards the end of the movies, you have the three trials that Indiana Jones has to pass to get to the Holy oh, Grail. Yeah. yeah. Did any did that remind anyone else of like? Did that feel like something out of a video game? <laughs> out of a video game? Because oh. I mean, they've put that in all of those video games, and it feels a bit video gamey, especially him hopping across the different letters. To spell Jehovah and not fall in the pit. Well, I. It's well. This is the thing about about that scene. Those trials and those puzzles and those traps. That's exactly how traps are supposed to be done in D and D. The traps exist for a reason, and that kind of you know that kind of trap and trial thing uh, crosses over into, into into computer games very well. It's like the old graphic and text adventures. Now I don't think I don't think they were taking those as as inspiration for that scene necessarily, but all of the the principles uh, apply. Now had Lucas had, had had Lucas have the Lucas Arts games yet? Was he into video games at that time? Yeah, Lucas Arts yeah, was, was a company at the time. Yeah, they were, and in fact, there wasn't Indiana Jones in the Last Crusade video game. I was just wondering if they were trying to do a tie-in. Uh, I, the game came out much later than the movie, so no, it wasn't like nowadays where the uh, game is out a couple weeks before the actual film. Uh, the, the marketing wasn't working that way back then. It was actually Spielberg that came up with the idea for the three tests. The breath of God, you know, the path of God and all that stuff. Um, that was his uh, input to the screenplay. He wanted to see those you know, tests. Uh-huh. Just how cool an effect was the uh, the jumping from the lion's head? No, what was it? The leap of was, faith. The, 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 uh, true of faith, uh, leap of faith. Yeah, leap from the lion's head. Yeah, yeah. But that leap effect, of, when I first saw faith, that, yeah. that freaked me out so much. <laughs> I'm like, there's movie. no way he's gonna be. Like, and oh god, that was a like because again, the visual <laughs> effects at that time that blew my mind. Even then, also yeah. the blades, the blades when a penitent man kneels. Were those blades visual effects, yeah. or were they something that actually swept through? No, those are visual effects. I, I, I thought on the uh, on the Raider.net you have a really interesting thing on there talking about alternate or deleted scenes from Last Crusade, and one yeah. of which is an alternate version of one of these trials. Oh, when he goes through the floor and the spiders are on him? Yeah. Wait, yeah, there's, there's what? Actually, yeah, there, there's, yeah, there's a scene actually in the Marvel comic, you can see that. And some of the production stills, it's on the Raider, you'll see Harrison Ford with the tarantula crawling up him. Uh, it was almost going to mirror the scene with Sean Connery and Dr. No, the very first James Bond, where mm-hmm. they have a glass piece of glass and you see a tarantula craw- crawling up his arm. Um, but, yeah, that one was left out. I'm trying to remember all the, the details. He goes to the floor and he falls through it because he's trying to spell out the breath of God or the word of God. And yeah, On here, it should, it, on the side, it's saying that he's, he's trying to spell... Uh, he's trying one to of the other deleted scenes I want to talk about that oh, is the only yeah. other actor besides Harrison Ford to appear in all three of the Indiana Jones films back then was actor... And he goes through the floor, and then you see that... They filmed that scene with the spiders coming up over him, but then they just, you know, scrapped that one and went for the... Uh, just the way it's done now. 
and I definitely like how it is in the movie better with the uh, the letters falling across and there being a, a pit underneath. I don't think. Yeah, there is some uh, there are some mistakes in that. If you go to watch it, you know when he steps on a couple of the tiles and the letters break loose. Yeah. If you go to watch the, the miraculous re- repair themselves after. <laughs> uh, uh, no, no, it's a miracle. Yeah, it's a miracle. That's right. It's a, you know it's exactly what happened there. Well, no, I was now going to say another one really quick when we were about deleted scenes was Pat Roach who played the German mechanic in the first Raiders film he gets chopped. Oh, no, my question is, like, okay, with that gap, has it been fixed digitally in the new no, release? No, 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 no. The only, only thing that's been fixed in the Indiana Jones trilogy, the original ones, that has been fixed on DVD is in the very first Raiders of the Lost Ark when they're having the truck chase and the Nazi staff car goes off this giant cliff and they start screaming as they fall off. He, you know, he knocks them off to the side and you just see this car plummeting hundreds of feet. That's been cleaned up digitally That from the original uh, Raiders and from the videotape and stuff. When you see that now, that's not the same shot that it was years ago. It's actually been cleaned up. But I was going to if you if you get the comic book version of Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, some of the deleted scenes are in there, and that is, I was trying to say, Pat Roach was the actor who was the giant... Uh, thuggy in Temple of Doom that gets killed by the Rock Crusher. He's the giant Nazi who gets chopped up by the Flying Wing Blades. And in this movie, when they were on the Zeppelin and they were escaping on the little biplane that takes off, he was going to follow them with a World War One flying ace who's drunk, and they get aboard their plane, and the World War One flying <laughs> ace launches the plane, but he forgets to turn it on, and it just does a nosedive straight into the ground. But they thought that oh. was a little, little too much cartoony you know, slapstick Benny Hill stuff, so they got rid of that scene. But that would have been cool because he would have been in all three of the Raiders films. And you do see him briefly as they run towards the Zeppelin. He's trying to stop it. He, he puts his hand out. So it was kind of a, a nice little in-joke there to have him in all those films. But well, to, uh, that's another delete. I was going to say, to wrap things up, why don't we each talk about our favorite scene from Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. I know we've jumped all over the place. And... Uh, haven't covered the movie perhaps as much as we'd like, but we're doing the best we can with the technical difficulties. Um, I guess I'll start. There's so many great scenes in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, but I think uh, one of my favorites is the whole gag between uh, Henry Jones Sr. and Marcus Brody in the tank, and the the pen is mightier than the sword. Mm-hmm. I just think it's a great... Uh, moment of humor between two characters and again the the overall age of the actors in this film they're so much older than you would typically see in uh this kind of a movie it's a uh, very refreshing uh thrasher favorite scene indiana jones last crusade well I, th- I think overall as silly as it may sound my favorite scene is the bird scene but one scene i do really think merits being touched on when uh, when when it, when Indy and the Nazi get finally get to the chamber with with the Grail, you know the Grail's being guarded by a knight who's been alive for hundreds of years, and they've got all these cups lying around, and that's actually the the final test. And of course, you know the Nazi, being arrogant, picks the fanciest looking goblet and uh, drinks from it, and ha ha, thinks he's going to be immortal, and then he then he like melts and rots away. Which you know har- harkens back to the the Ark in Raiders of the Lost Ark, but at, at the same time, uh, God, if you're going to punish people who who, who <laughs> yeah. mess up your relics, you need to mix up the punishment a little bit. 
Yeah. <laughs> just you know, mix it up. If there's a fifth indie film and they go after the the spear of destiny and 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 some you know villain gets the spear of destiny, maybe have him struck by lightning or have snakes flow out of his mouth and until he can't breathe. But we, we've done we've done the the bodily disintegration thing. That's been that's been done. If I may. <laughs> but you oh, got to admit. Course, <clears throat> The, the, the trick is that the grail is actually the simple carpenter's cup, because that right. is the cup of Christ. you you got to admit, though, that was a cool effect in one of the first CGI uh, effects at the time. Very what true. Is, and I've seen that thing close up. Donovan's head melted away. I was fortunate enough to go to uh, ILM a couple months ago in February, and cool. I'm walking down the hallways, and there, right in the corner near a window is the head of Walter Donovan. And I'm like, are you kidding me? It's just laying here? They're like, hey, we got plenty of that stuff. Wow. So, uh, Jason, do you got a favorite scene from Indiana Jones' Last Crusade? I, I can't beat that. I was going to go with the same thing. Okay. Uh, that was an amazing effect, and it's such uh, an amazing thing to see uh, when I was when I was young, seeing it on TV. Sadly, I did not get to see that on a big screen, which I think would have impacted me more. But I also really enjoy the performance. What's the actor's name who plays the knight? You were just saying Robert Edison. Uh, uh, his acting in that, like, because he, he understands the price of the grail, he understands what his station okay. is, and he can never leave because of that, but he also has to find somebody worthy. And and by doing that, we kind of understand that then uh, Indiana Jones is worthy of this great quest that his father started before him. Right. And the question is, would his father have been as worthy do you think his father would have made the same choice? I mean, I hope so. He spent his life researching the Grail, but I think he absolutely would have. Which again shows that Indiana Jones is so much like his father in intellect and and I guess virtue. And his father probably would not have made the misstep on the puzzle. What's one of your favorite scenes from Last Crusade? One of the favorite scenes in Last Crusade. There's a lot of good character moments that Thrasher mentioned earlier, like when Indy's. Uh... His office is basically the boiler room at the university. You know? <laughs> yeah. He's got junk everywhere, and he, he climbs out the window to get away from everybody. I, I love that part of the movie, because I dream of doing that all the time. Uh, I'd have to probably say the um, the very end of the film, when he's reaching for the, the grail. You know, he almost has it in his grasp, and he's trying desperately to get it. And his dad, who's looked for the grail his entire life, just tells him to let it go, and then they have that moment there where he calls him Indiana instead of Junior, and he, he recognizes his son as a, an individual and all that jazz, and th- I just love that part of the movie. I think that's great. Cool. Very cool. I mean, yeah, what... it's, a great, it's a great movie, i got, I got to tell you, from the opening, probably of all three of the Ra- Raiders films, the original Indiana Jones movies, this one's probably my favorite, because there are so many of those great character moments in the film you know they stop for a minute to talk and to, to exchange glances at each other it's not non-stop action it's actually a story about relationships and family and stuff like that so i mean hats off to an adventure film that was more than just a b- bunch of explosions and car chases you know you know one and another thing about indiana jones and the last crusade to wrap things up with does, wasn't wasn't didn't they have a, a pepsi commercial yeah, they did. That was um, the Grail Knight. They incorporated that. <laughs> amazing things you remember. Uh, the husband's watching TV. I think it was Diet Coke. Oh, no, 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 no. The original campaign was Pepsi because I have the poster staring at me. It was a Pepsi promotion uh, for Indiana Jones. But years later, they had another one where the husband tells the wife to go get him a drink. 
and she goes to the refrigerator and she doesn't know what drink to choose and she chooses <laughs> the right cola and then she has to go back and the floor is open and explosions and she dodges all these death defying traps and <laughs> you see the grail knight come on saying you chose wisely you know oh that's almost I mean, blasphemous i know now that i think back that was pretty cheesy wasn't it it's like yeah. holy grails a coca-cola commercial or wow jeez Next thing you know, who knows? Jesus will be doing commercials for a Palm Pilot on Palm Sunday when he's hanging on the cross. <laughs> but that's oh, that was years wow. ago. They don't have Palm Pilots anymore. <laughs> Whew, let's wrap this one up before I start getting letters and nasty phone calls. <laughs> Fundamentalists. Sure. Um, uh, you know, real quick, I got to ask you guys: yeah. Do you ever think that the Grail Knight was still alive after they wrecked his place? Oh, yeah. heard oh no! Oh no! Actually. I'm of two minds. I thought he died because the number one, the whole cavern is going to be destroyed, right? And he doesn't have a cup anymore. But he never crossed the Great Seal because that's a deleted scene too. And you'll see, you can look at that movie really quick if you freeze frame it. The Grail Knight is standing right alongside Henry Senior, Indy, Sala, and Marcus, and that's in the comic. They actually talk to each other for a couple seconds. Really? And he explains. To, oh yeah, and I was like, huh. There's more to it. He explains to him how the Great Seal is and how you can't leave the uh, the, 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 the cavern, whatever you want to call it. Once, once you uh, drink from the cup, you have to stay there. So that's elaborated on more because they, they really don't touch too much about it because you just hear Harrison Ford's voiceover when he tells Elsa, you know, don't move. The knight warned us not to pass beyond the Great Seal. It's like, okay, he said that really quick, but what the hell does that mean? How did he get there, you know? You know, I... I don't know. I guess if if I if he didn't die when when the thing collapsed, I guess I guess he would eventually die of old age if he doesn't have access to the Grail. Yeah, yeah. There's 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 whole stories and theories on how long was he there? What did he do? Food and you know what did he do to pass the time? Pray there. No cable. <laughs> when when I watched that, I always thought that the Grail Knight was allowed to die when someone had finally come to... Uh, vanquish him. To vanquish him. And for some... When I first saw the movie, I thought maybe uh, Indiana Jones was going to take the Grail Knight's place. Right, right, right. And that would have <laughs> been a bit ridiculous. Uh, I think it kind of appropriate. A little bit. I think, I think a little bit. No, that, that's what they said in the Indiana Jones and the Spear of Destiny comic book by Dark Horse. His dad kept kicking himself because he had the opportunity to replace the Grail Knight. That should have been him. And the whole story in that comic book is is uh, Indy's dad just wishing that he did what he was supposed to do. He was supposed to be the next Grail Knight, but he keeps saying he wasn't worthy or he wasn't up to the challenge. And then they go after the Spirit of Destiny, and that's a whole other comic book. But, uh, yeah, no, that, that topic came up, that why didn't they replace the Grail Knight with Indy or his dad to oh. be the next... Although... Know, if Indy, if Indiana Jones did replace the Grail Knight, when it came time to do Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, they would have had to have done one of those tortured, undo the ending of the previous movie's beginnings to get him out of that cavern and ready to have another adventure. <laughs> well, you know what's funny? I remember before the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull came out, and I was talking to the writer of the comic book adaptation, John Jackson Miller, who was working at Dark Horse, and they were mum. They wouldn't tell me anything about the movie because it was like a month before, and I was interviewing them at a Comic-Con. And I said, oh, wait a minute, is Indiana Jones still alive or he's invulnerable because he drank from the Grail Cup? And even though he didn't stay there, he still has some type of magic in him that right. allows him to have like a healing factor, like a Wolverine thing that he doesn't get hurt. That's why he's <laughs> allowed to 
continue on and live forever maybe you know and they just looked at me like that's a good story probably better than what they came up with in the movie but no that's not part of it oh dear well maybe that's how he survived the refrigerator nuke in the fridge there you go and came yeah. the crystal skull but, uh, uh, it for next week uncle milkshake yeah no that's that's a good, next that's story a good yeah tease for next week's show on indiana jones and the kingdom of the crystal skull uh everyone thanks for coming on this uh this episode, you can check out more of uh, Mitch's work on uh, theraider.net, and he's also on a podcast called The IndieCast, devoted to right. all things Indiana Jones. So, uh, Mitch, thanks again for coming on the show. It's been a pleasure, guys. I'm sorry for all the weird glitches and all that stuff tonight, but I'm sure you'll fix that in post-production, right? I'll yeah, we're always, fix it in, always fix it in post. Okay, yeah, we're, we're, we're doing a lot with, uh, I guess, post. Well, Matt's going to do a lot with post. Yeah, I always do it. So uh, he's a green screen genius when it comes to podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> all right, hey, just replace all of my comments with walkie talkies. <laughs> <laughs> all right, have a good night, fellas. Bye. All right, don't forget the flashlights too. Okay. All right. Good night, guys. I'll see you next week. Yep. See you next good week. Good night. Bye. Thanks, Crystal. Hi, this is Uncle Milkshake from the sequel cast, and we're going to take a look at a uh, spin-off of Indiana Jones the Last Crusade, a computer game called Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade: The Graphic Adventure. Now, what is a graphic adventure? Well, it used to be a genre of uh, computer games where the primary goal was not like it was not you were shooting people, it's not you're beating people up. You were trying to solve puzzles. You'd go from room to room and uh let's say you go into a room and you find a key at the bottom of the screen, there'd be a list of verbs like pick up, use, open, or close. So you would click on pick up, then click on the key, and you would pick up the key, have that in your inventory. Then you would go to the verbs in the bottom of the screen again, click on use, click on the key, and then click on the door in the room you're in. And that would, all those actions would simply open a door in a room. So it's a kind of gameplay that's older fashioned. Uh, there's still companies doing it today like Telltale Games as a series of uh, Back to the Future uh, graphic adventures that are episodic that are pretty fun that you can play on the PlayStation 3, uh, Xbox 360 soon and uh, on the PC. But back to Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, the graphic adventure, this was a game developed by Lucasfilm Games, which is, uh, you know, related to LucasArts. They're all different George Lucas companies. And one of the main designers on it was Ron Gilbert. And Ron Gilbert and Ron Gilbert was the uh, designer of one of the earlier graphic adventures called uh, Maniac Mansion. Or he did a little bit of work, too, on Zack McCracken and the Alien Mindbenders and is probably best well known for creating the uh, first two series, the first two games in the Secret of Monkey Island series of computer graphic adventure games. So does Indiana Jones The Last Crusade, does this graphic adventure PC game, does it follow the movie scene for scene? Well, no, it doesn't have the character of Sala. It doesn't have the uh, character from the Brotherhood, the guy with the red fez on his hat with the mustache. He's not in the game. And yet, it has a lot of core scenes. The basic scenarios uh, this computer game revolves around are the college at the beginning of the game where Indiana Jones uh, teaches. You go to Venice mainly to investigate the library and go underneath the catacombs to uh, find a 
clue, you know, to where the grail is, a large portion of the game takes place in the uh, Nazi fortress that Indiana Jones's father, Henry Jones, uh, played in the movie by Sean Connery, is located in. There's a lot of mazes in there. And you have a little bit on the uh, on the Zeppelin and sort of going on a motorcycle back and forth, and then the last part of the game is very, very similar to the movie in that you have to pass the three trials to get the Holy Grail. Now, I mentioned the graphic adventure is a genre of games that features a lot of puzzles, and you might wonder, well, hell, in the movies, Indiana Jones uh, uses his whip, he punches people in the face, he uses a knife, does all these things. Uh, where's that in the game? And although it is a graphic adventure, it does have some action sequences that are a bit less than successful. You occasionally will have to fight Nazis or bodyguards or thugs, and you use the uh, keypad on your computer to move back and forth, and then you can choose to attack high, attack middle, or attack low. It's almost more like a tactical sort of action. But if you die in those sequences, it's game over. Uh, and if you had not saved your game earlier, you'd have to start the game over from the very beginning. This was an old trope of uh, graphic adventure games that LucasArts... Uh, now called LucasArts at the time, it was called Lucasfilm Games, had a, uh, did away with, where they made it in the later games like Monkey Island, where there's no way you could die. You could, if you're stuck in a puzzle, you're stuck in a puzzle. But you would never have to reload a game from screwing yourself over for not solving a puzzle earlier or something like that. So, uh, another thing of note with the, these graphic adventures is later on you had CD-ROMs on computers and you had voices all the way through. But this, uh, being a game that came out in 89, the Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade graphic adventure, there were no voices in this game. You, uh, all the dialogue and things were in, in text, and uh, a big part of this game also is the dialogue, in that when you talk to someone, you can choose what to say. And depending on how you approach things, you can avoid fights uh, altogether by using uh, your wit, or you might have to use your fist and get into a fight. And there's Lots of different ways through the game, lots of different endings. And to that point, uh, in this video game, there was something called the uh, IQ system, which uh, in this case stood for Indie Quotient. So the more times you played through the games, it would add up points to an overall total. In a way, this was a precursor to uh, achievement points on the Xbox 360 or trophies in the PlayStation 3. You know, the different ways you solved puzzles, especially if you did it in a way while avoiding violence, you got more points. And you would have to beat the game several times, uh, you know, usually using a hint guide or something if you got stuck, to try and get the maximum number of indie quotient points. It's something pretty uh, far ahead of its time and certainly makes it more replayable than a lot of other games. Now, uh, you've heard me blabber on about this uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade graphic adventure for a while, and you might be wondering... Well, Uncle Milkshake, uh, how do I get a copy? This is an old game. You can actually, if you have a PC, you can download it off of Steam, which is a uh, online digital distribution game service. Basically, you pay money for a video game, then you download it. It's on your computer. And um, they have this for sale on there. I think it's like $1 or $2. And you can run it on a modern PC fine. It doesn't go super fast, even though it's an old game. They uh, optimized it for that. Um... Another interesting thing, I mentioned this does not have music, but this video game also has, or does not have voices, but it does have music. 
And depending on your system, if you didn't have a sound card at the time, it would sound like a PC speaker. So it would be like, beep, 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 It sounded very awkward and gross. But if you had a sound card, it sounded like synthesized music, a bit like a Nintendo or a Genesis. And um, if you play it on your computer now, downloading it off of Steam, you would hear that synthesized music. You know, not the old-fashioned uh, PC speaker music. Um, so I hope you enjoyed this look at the Indiana Jones The Last Crusade graphic adventure computer game. Uh, one last bit of trivia. Actually, when uh, George Lucas and Steven Spielberg were working together on the plot for the movie Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, they invited a few of the designers from the this uh, Last Crusade graphic adventure video game so they could take notes on all the ideas they had that Spielberg and Lucas had. So there's ideas in the game that weren't in the movie that were ideas that Spielberg and Lucas uh, originally came up with during those brainstorming sessions. Which ones were they? I don't know. Anyway, we're running out of time, but I uh, hope you enjoyed this look at Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, the graphic adventure. Be sure to tune in next week for the sequel cast to hear us discuss the most recent and uh, controversial film in the series, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Good night and have a pleasant tomorrow.